At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Good Morning, as we learn from the cries of Israel recorded in the book of Lamentations. Together, we'll discover the depth of God's love for us, even in seasons of suffering, and learn to take our sorrows to the Savior. Wow, as they were finishing out that set, I was like, I just got to say something about Eric and Caitlin and, and Sarah because they know how to minister the presence of God in our midst. It's like, it is so good, so good. And the songs, like, we never connected beforehand, but they tie into what, you know, God has for us this morning. This series on Lamentations is amazing. It is not your typical evangelical mainstream American message. This thing is digging deep into our hearts. It's exposing areas where we actually are realizing that we've been carrying burdens. Things have happened to us. How many have ever been hurt? Raise your hand. How many have ever been dis, disrespected? Raise your hand. Yeah, and you know why? Because you thought you were really something, and then you discovered that, ah, maybe you weren't all that. And part of the hurt and the pain and the lamenting comes from our very own wrong choices. But some of it is perpetrated against us just because we live in such a fallen world. Well, I believe that this message of lamenting can have a dark side to it, just like my painting. Some of them have some very dark colors. But the lighter colors pop because of those darker tones. So when we begin to look at this, we begin to see God's heart. It is amazing. And the one scripture that just kept flooding my mind over and over is Psalm 30 and verse 5. It says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? Amen. That is God's way for every single one of us. So I thought, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That means that if you're really listening today, that if you have lived your whole life up until this very point, then you are going to embrace lamenting because joy comes in the morning. That is so countercultural because we live in a world where we escape pain. We don't like pressure. You know, I was talking with somebody the other day. They take three different kinds of pills to escape maybe guilt, but the pressure of just living. So we're always looking to escape all of this, and yet in God's word we find that he highlights it so that Jesus himself said, by the way, by much tribulation shall you enter into the kingdom. And everybody goes, oh, sign me up for tribulation. <laughs> well, those who are crazy in love with Jesus see a problem coming and they say, bring it on because weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And God does not waste any of our sorrows. You've turned, and here's another one, Psalm 30. Love Psalm 30. Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put, I've put off my sackcloth 
and you have girded me with gladness. So, yeah, great ideas. Have I walked this out? Can I stand here today and speak this into God's word, into our lives without having experienced it? Chris and I got married at age 20. So excited. To be married, it's what I dreamt of since the age of seven. I don't know why, anyhow, I was like, <laughs> wanted to be married. And um, so we met and was like, yeah, this is going to work, right? So we got married, age 20, I was still in college. We didn't have much money at all. We hardly had enough food. Our parents would bring us food. But my dream, our dream, was to have children. And I saw baby pictures of her. I saw pictures of her when she was like two and three years old. And she had this like white blonde hair. It was all curly, pudgy, just as cute as can be. Now, I know Eric and Caitlin have cute kids, but sorry. No, her pictures were amazing. And I just dreamt, we dreamt. And my baby pictures were pretty cool too, all right? And we just dreamt of having these children and wondered what in the world are these kids going to look like, right? Because like... We're so different. And for five years, every month was a funeral because it didn't happen. It's like it's supposed to happen. Everybody does this. There was great mourning. And God flipped that because he knew our desire and he met our desire in a whole different way. You might say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, right. We know you adopted the perfect son. Uh, that's pretty much true, okay? <laughs> I was with him and the family yesterday. We were, and it was like, it doesn't, life doesn't get any better than this. But the truth is, there was so much more to it because the desires that God puts in our hearts and the breaking of our hearts is the very place where God says, I will meet you, not only on a physical level, I'll not only give you a child, I will give you children. I will replicate through your life the truth that I have placed in you, and you will have many children. That was the promise to Abraham. And it's the promise to every single one of us. So I'm, what I tell you today doesn't come from a script it comes from a brokenness that I know that you can identify with. You don't live as long as you have. Now, the children are out of here, so I can say that. You don't live as long as you have without heartache. And our God wants to turn that lament into a song. He wants to turn it into a dance. He wants to turn it into fruitfulness that will come out of all of that. The dark colors in a painting are valuable. A quick review, you know, the first week we looked at, you know, the first chapter there, and, and Judah was grieving like a widow, and it says she became, you know, filthy, and, and we, we can identify with that. We've all experienced that. In the second poem, uh, the, the big idea there was amazing. God becomes our enemy. <laughs> it's like, that's crazy. Who goes to church to hear that, right? And yet it feels that way 
Because if he's ultimately in charge, why do bad things happen to good people? And we get that answer. And then thirdly, you know, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I'm the man who has seen affliction. So as we look at these, we want to extract all that God has for every single one of us. Have you been able to admit thus far in this series your personal hurt? Have you been able to admit that part of it is your own fault? That's really tough. The injustices that have come against you may not be your own fault. And yet God, in his wisdom, uses that to move us forward. We need to allow God to meet us in the depth of our pain. And when Jeremiah honestly and deeply acknowledged his sorrow and his grief, he came to an amazing resolution, and that is that God is good. This is what it says. This I call to my heart to remembrance, and it gives me hope. The steadfast love of the Lord, and the, the Hebrew word is chesed. The chesed of God, the steadfast, faithful love of God never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Amen? And God is amazing. His love never changes. It is steadfast. It is faithful no matter what we are experiencing. Today we want to take a look at our sorrows, the sorrows that we personally have and also the sorrow that we can bear in community because of the condition of the world in which we live. Today we're going to look at three points. We're going to remember the heart of God. That's amazing. We're going to carry our cry to the Lord. And thirdly, we will wait for God or wait on God for his justice to prevail. So let's begin in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. It starts out with a simple phrase, the Lord is good. Everybody say, the Lord is good. Let's try it again, one, two, three. The Lord is good, amen, to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. I love that portion of scripture. It starts out with God is good. Sorrows are not going to last forever. God will show compassion on us, and his affliction will truly come to an end. And ultimately, it will produce something very beautiful in our lives. I think of God in the garden with Adam and Eve, and it's so good for us to have this overarching story. There they were in the garden, just having a great time. And one day, Eve listens to the subtlety of the serpent who engages her eyes in seeing something that has grown out of the dust of the earth, the same dust from which she was made. It's a tree, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that moment and in her frailty, under the covering of Adam, Eve decides to look, to think, and to believe 
the devil, the liar, that this thing will make her like a god. So she picks it. Adam does not stop her. He is fully aware of what is happening. And Adam chose that which grew out of the dust instead of God. He chose dirt instead of God. And if I ask you honestly today, have you chosen dirt instead of God? We would all have to answer yes at some point, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God, because of his steadfast, his faithful, his loyal, chesed kind of love, chooses to restore you and I to the former relationship that Adam and Eve had in that garden. So as time moves forward, God chooses Abraham. And he gives him a glory plan to recapture the earth. He tells him out of his seed, all nations will be blessed. And of course, we know how that went. Joseph is one of those sons that came from Jacob. And Joseph in his life, as a young, young man, favored of his father, dressed well with that coat of many colors, his brothers filled with envy, we know the injustices. We know the, the bullying that took place in that family. And that, I think, we can all likewise identify with. But in Psalm 50, verse 19, it says this, And Joseph said unto them, he said, uh, Genesis, I'm sorry, he says, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. <laughs> what? God has so moved in my life that today... Joseph is saying, I can have the audacity to say that I am going to bring you the word of God. And you know, that is for all of God's people. Because where is God today? He's sitting just behind you. He's sitting next to you. He is embodied in the people in our fellowship today. And so Joseph is looking back and he goes, injustice. I lamented 22 years since I've seen my family. That was painful. I've had some children. I even named one of them. God has caused me to forget. Not everything that happened, but the toil, the pain. The lamenting is past, and the purpose of God is unfolding through Joseph meeting his brothers, and he says this to them very, very clearly. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. All of the pain turned out good. All of the suffering of Jesus on the cross turned out great. You can suffer because of your own wrongdoing, just like I have, or you can suffer injustice, bear it well on the cross, bear it well just like Joseph did, and your life will be a I put my markers in my, my briefcase, you know. And then I thought, oh, I need that one. So I went fumbling through. You think I could find it? I couldn't find it. I thought, I am suffering. <laughs> I'm suffering. I can't find my marker. And I thought, I can suffer this well, even in the nuances of daily life. I'm putting a show on for Jesus 24-7. Living under the gaze of the Almighty, 
So the angels were surrounded by a great company, a host of heaven, who are watching us, and we get to suffer. Because we know the end of it is not the cross. It's an empty tomb, and we get to live that out. John Piper describes it this way. God's good design in our, in our suffering is like this. God in his love, his holiness, and justice will train his children, sometimes corrective discipline and sometimes instructive discipline. And the discipline is not what he wants, but he delights in showing his steadfast love because at the end of it, there's more of Jesus. Lamentations 3.27. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. It's a good thing when you're, you're young to stick it out through all the hardships. The Message Bible puts it that way. And guess what? None of us are ever going to be any younger. <laughs> Today's the day to bear the yoke of the Lord. Micah 7 verse 19 says, He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in this steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. God's sovereignty is inevitable. He's not hurtful. These things come our way because he loves us so very much and he allows us to be ambassadors of his kingdom in that kind of a way. Secondly, we want to carry our cry or our complaint to the Lord. So I have someone in my life that is very special. I mean, like, really, really special. Just, like, so good. So right. So kind. Nobody can ever say a negative word against her. Never. And this person has MS. And I'm like, what? I had to carry my complaint to the Lord. It's what we're called to do. Like, this sickness, why? Why? So I'll be honest. I, I, I went for a while without, like, talking to God about that. I was free to talk about anything else, you know, whatever else. Building programs, outreach, oh, that's all good. But that topic, I had a complaint. I had a cry. So one day I was driving home from school and I was like, okay, 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 I got to get over this. Lord, you know how I'm, how I'm feeling. You know, this is, my attitude's not right. You are God. Who am I to question you? But I have a problem right now. And, and this is what the Lord said. It is so cool. He said, I am the sovereign God. And my goal for every person's life, this includes you, is to bring glory to my name. And every person is to be an image bearer who carries my glory. And guess what? I can do it any way I choose through anybody. It can be through sickness. It can be through prosperity. It can be through travel and rejoicing and, and being the life of a party. It can be through suffering. God gets to choose. And we, we, we have to submit to that 
sovereignty of God. So he chooses our suffering to bring glory. So I know a person who knows this person. And this person here, there's the person with MS. Here's the other person. This person is hard to reach. Self-righteous, knows everything, proud. This person talked to me about this person with this debilitating disease, and this person melted. How could I know the sovereignty of God unless he opened my eyes to see that one person's suffering brings life to other people? Praise the Lord. He is amazing. He's amazing. And I love, you know, Lamentations chapter 3. It says, my eyes um, without ceasing are weeping. My eyes weep without ceasing, without respite, until uh, the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. You know, are we too busy to cry before God? Has the burden of living in a fallen world become just the normal trappings of everyday life? Or through this series, are we beginning to realize, I got junk. I'm carrying something. God has called us to be a rejoicing people, but it comes out of sorrow. I will tell you, there was a time when I fully believed that I would never laugh again in my entire life. It was a lament so deep that it didn't feel like anything would ever be the old normal. Guess what? It's not. It's a thousand times better because God brings resurrection life into every area of lamenting and what looks like death to each one of us. The scripture is clear. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Resist the devil and he will, he will have to flee. So God wants us to cry out to him. Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 53, it says, I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. And then listen. He says, you heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for help. And then he says, you came near when I called on you. And you said, do not fear. He goes on, you have taken up my cause. This is beautiful. Lord, you have redeemed my life. You have seen the wrong done unto me. Men have ridden over my head. They trampled me down. They talk about me in secret. I pass by. They all get quiet. All their plots against me. You've, you've seen uh, all their vengeance and their plots against me. You have heard their taunts. Oh, Lord, all their plots against me. The lips and thoughts of my assailants are against me all day long. Behold, he's telling God, look. Behold, they're sitting and they're rising. I'm the object of their taunts. That's a very beautiful thing that we can remind God to look and see. Look and see. Turn his eyes that way. God sees our complaints. Jeremiah, Jeremiah tells us, he tells God to look and to remember. And when you complain, you can easily find yourself complaining about a person. 
an injustice, a hurt, a threat to your dignity, a slam to your self-esteem. But if, if we look very, very closely, we will see that God is overlooking all of this. We can ask why. Who allows this? And what is the purpose of this? There is a good end. Complaints or laments are essential to our growth. It's very important for us. And I get this idea. You know, Jeremiah starts out and he says, God is good. Everybody say again, God is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. All the time. <laughs> How many of you like those, um, remember when you were a kid, you get those chocolate Easter bunnies? Remember those things? They were covered with a foil. Now, when you pick one up, if it's light, it's hollow. But if you pick one up and it's heavy, it is good all the way through, especially if it's a Godiva dark chocolate. Okay, it's just like, it's the best thing on the planet. <laughs> So good, so good, right? And you know, like, I think sometimes, differently, obviously, but I think sometimes, you know, have you ever seen people, like, at work, you cross, how you doing? Good, good, good. Are they really good? No. How's it going? All right, all right, yeah. You know, it's like the chocolate bunny with the, the shiny gold foil all over it. But it's empty inside. It's not really good. On the other hand, God is good. And I like the G-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-
what's going to happen, but you know the one who does know what's going to happen, and you're secure in that. You see all the beautiful young families coming with their children. Children have no idea what's going on. Put them in a car, put them in a seat, strap them in. They don't know where they're going. They didn't even ask their parents. They just go. And God calls us to be like little children in that way. Lamentations 3, verse 26. Wait for the Lord to carry out his justice. Very, very important concept. It says there, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In verse 26. Verse 64 and 60 through 66, he says, You will repay them, O Lord. <laughs> I have certainly declared that to my persecutors. You will repay them, Lord. And I remember all the, uh, the psalms that, that like cry out, cursing. May the fleas of a thousand camels infest their armpits. <laughs> and, then, and then I remember, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That Jesus, he died for them too. Oh, what? Love my enemies? Oh, being a Christian is not for sissies. <laughs> I just got to say, this is like, an incredible walk that we have. So the lamenter goes on and he says, you will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. You will give them dullness of heart. Your curse will be on them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under your heavens, O Lord. And we need to wait for that to come. But even in our day, as we look to that, the wrath of God against all of the terrible, insidious social movements in our day, what God is really doing when he allows the book of Revelation to unfold, perhaps in our lifetime, what he's really doing is pleading with sinners, just like he pled with us. Before we finally surrendered, he's pleading with people to come to him and to know him as their personal savior. The thing that Jeremiah, the author of Lamentations, did not see was that Jesus Christ fulfilled all justice. All of the lamenting for sin, all of the punishment, he took all of that upon himself so that we don't have to die that eternally. And then he was dead, he was buried, he rose from the dead, and he called us to walk in the same way so that we now, as believers in the body of Christ here today, can take up a lament, not only for ourselves and make it all about me, but a lament for our land, a land that is one nation under God. The globe, the world, is one community under God and take up a lament for the injustices that are happening in the world today because out of that lamenting comes the glory of God and we partner with him. We know his heart. We see where he's looking and we look for that same thing. 
Jesus himself, in the process, felt totally forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So it's a very real experience. And I, I, I love the prayer that we heard him speak in the garden. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Can that be our prayer? In the midst of all of our sorrow and in our, our lamenting for stuff from the past, but also for the, for the present and the future burdens that we carry. Not my will. What that does is it points to the fact that we have faith in his character. Faith in his character. God is causing us to be his ambassadors to the world. And, and that's part of our, our calling, is to move in that, that kind of lamenting posture broken before him. Like I said earlier in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 20, it says, and the rest of the men who were not killed by these plagues, that's the wrath and the justice of God, they still didn't repent. And so we see that we can carry that promise of God. But I want to look at some things today right now that will definitely encourage us because God's love is not a passive thing. His love is embedded in his promises. So I'm going to read some of these promises and what I'd like for you to do, I'd like for you to affirm the word of God. I'd like for you to say, that's mine. There's something about hearing a song in your head, the word of God in your head, but there's something powerful about declaring it because we are creating his image and likeness to be creative. So here's the first one. God promises to never leave nor forsake us. One, two, three. That's for me. Okay, let's try it again. I'll read the next one. <laughs> he promises to finish the good work that he's begun in us. That's for me. Amen. He promises to give us wisdom if we ask. That's for me. He promises that our salvation is secure no matter what happens. That's for me. He promises to come back and make all things right. That's for me. Amen. So no matter what we face between now and the day that we leave this planet, we know that lamenting means that we weep before God with our sorrows and with the sorrows of others. Romans, in closing, Romans chapter 8. This is so beautiful. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? <laughs> what a question. It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? In other words, the accuser of the brethren can have no accusation against you. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us right now. Jesus is crying out that you will fulfill the reason you are on this planet, and that is to bring glory to his name, and most of that happens through suffering, through death of self, and through the indwelling, resurrected power of our Savior. And that you go into all the earth. And that you make disciples of all men. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, nothing else in all of creation will be able to separate us from this, this steadfast, this loyal love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. So this morning I trust that every single one of us are deeply touched by the love of God and the purpose that he has for us, that we remember his heart is toward us. When you sin, his heart is toward you. When you sin more, <laughs> he says there's more grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen. God's heart is so toward us. He wants us to know that. He wants us to cry out to him, to have an ongoing conversation. I was talking with um, one of my granddaughter's, um, well, my granddaughter's boyfriend, who is amazing. He said, if ever there goes a day by where I'm not talking to God, what I am saying is that I can handle this on my own. So he says, I must talk with God every day. Of course, I added to what he said. Throughout the entire day. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Let's stand together this morning as we pray, as our musicians come. And may we find that we know the heart of God in a much deeper way. And may we find an area, a place in our own lives of um, maybe repentance today. You know. Have you lamented your sin? Is there something today that you need to repent of? Maybe not taking advantage of the time to get to know God's heart. Maybe you've had a struggle and you haven't cried out to God. And maybe you've become impatient in waiting or you've just given up on waiting for the justice of God. So let's bring our brokenness to God this morning. Oh, he is so close. He, he dwells with those who are, are of a broken and contrite heart. Lord Jesus, we come before you today a needy people. We recognize, Lord that you have everything under control in your sovereignty. Our foes may rejoice over us for a short time. But Lord, we cry unto you and you bring healing in our soul and our spirit. You have taken our soul literally from hell and all of the power of darkness. You've kept us alive so that we don't go down to the pit. You've made us to sing in the place of mourning. You've made our feet to dance with great rejoicing over our enemies. You said that Satan would be crushed under our feet. And so it is as we live these daily lives in victory. May our prosperity not be hoarded to ourselves, but may we reach out and may we bear the burdens of one another. Yes, in fellowship at Woodside Elginac. May we care for one another. May we desire, I mean, meet your desire for our lives. Bring your glory. Bring your glory through our suffering. 
Great things are produced under great pressure. May we choose relationship with you and not stuff that grows from the dirt. But may we choose you always, in all things, at all times. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.